Our scripture reading for today is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. Listen for the word of God. The same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then the man said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And Jacob, and he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why it is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. So the sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Four ominous words. Jacob was left alone. How many of you have ever been alone? And I don't mean just by yourself. How many of you have ever been really, really alone? Anybody else? How did Jacob get here? Mary LaRusso told the story uh, quite well earlier. Jacob has um, basically tricked his brother into selling him his birthright. Then he conspires with his mom to steal his brother's blessing from his father, and because of that, his brother was somewhat unhappy with him and threatens to kill him. So Jacob has to flee. Jacob has not been home in 20 years. Jacob went to live with his uh, father, uh, I can never get this stuff right, his mother's brother, whatever, uncle, I guess that makes him, and gets two wives, gets tricked Works seven years for Rachel, but then Laban gives him Leah. So he has to work another seven years for Rachel. And then he works another six years to get all the flocks he now has. He's been there 20 years. And then God says, go to the land that I will show you. Once again, he gives the promise. And there I will bless you. The problem is, is where Jacob is and where Jacob is told to go, he's got to go through Esau's lands. The brother who he stole his birthright 
the brother who was sworn to kill him. And one look at Jacob and his two wives plus maids and 11 children and all of their herds is going to show Esau in no uncertain terms what that blessing that Jacob stole was worth. And Esau is going to be really happy and loving and thanks for coming, brother. And Jacob is afraid. So what does Jacob do? He takes one set of wives and half their stuff and he sends them one way. And he takes another set of wives and all of their belongings and he sends them a different way. Why? Split them up. If Jacob, if Jacob gets attacked by Esau, hopefully at least one of the groups will make it through. And knowing that one person alone is less likely to attract attention than a large group, he hangs back. This is the pinnacle of strong faith. Right? No? You're shaking your head. You seem skeptical. Arleth, how could you possibly doubt? Who in the Hebrew Bible is considered the great pinnacle of faith? There's a couple, but in general. Abraham. What happens when God asks Abraham to do anything? He does it. He does it without question. Abraham is the one that Paul lifts up as a paradigm of faith before Christ. God says, do it. He does it. It's reckoned unto Abraham as righteousness. Why in the world don't the Hebrew people bear the name of Abraham? Ever thought about that? What happened when God said to Abraham... Sacrifice your own son to me. What's he do? Lies to his wife, schleps him up the hill, binds him, puts him on the altar, lifts the knife, and only then an angel stops his hand and says, don't. The sacrifice is the ram that's tangled up in the thicket. God has promised Abraham that his own son, Isaac is the one through whom the promise will continue, and then when God says, kill Isaac, Abraham says, nothing. Would you do that? What happened when Abraham found out that God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? What did Abraham do there? Look, God, you're a righteous dude. You know, if there are 50 righteous, you are not going to get a terrible reputation for wiping out a whole city and wiping out 50 righteous with all the unrighteous. If there are 50, I will not destroy You know, 45 isn't all that different than 50. Are you going to destroy 45 for the sake of 5? If there are 45, I will not destroy well, since we're going along this way, what do you think about 40? If there are 40, I won't destroy. If there are 30, I won't destroy. If there are 20, I will not destroy. If there are 10. Abraham goes to bat for people he's never met. Six 
times. Six times. And finally God says, enough. If there are ten righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, they'll all be fine. Unfortunately, there weren't, so bummer for them. What happens, what does Abraham do when God says, I have promised to you that it is through your own son Isaac that the promise will continue. Sacrifice your son. What does he say? Nothing. The traditional reading of this text is that Abraham passed the test. I say he failed it. I say he passed it when he argued for Sodom and Gomorrah and he failed it when he came to his own son. What is Abraham, what is Jacob? Jacob is a snake in the grass. But what happens when Abraham, well, excuse me, when Jacob is at his weakest? He knows he needs help. And I promised him Monty Python, so here's this. Okay. So how many of you have ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Okay. Lovely, lovely movie. King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table are given a task. And so God, it's this great scene where the, where the clouds open up and, and this old man with this big king in only a way that the British would portray. And it's Arthur, Arthur, king of the Britons. Oh, stop grumbling. There's one thing I can't stand. It's people grumbling. Sorry. And stop apologizing. Every time I try to talk to someone, it's sorry this and forgive me that and I'm not worthy. What are you doing now? I'm averting my eyes, oh Lord. Well, don't. It's like those miserable psalms. They're so depressing. Now, knock it off. I mean, it's an irreverent scene. Absolutely irreverent. But I think God liked dealing with Jacob. Here's a guy who just stands up when he's at his lowest and he says, I need help. I need help. I can't do this unless you bless me. Now, you cannot do this to God with impunity, okay? The story's really clear. The angel reaches out, touches his hip, dislocates his hip. How many of you ever had a dislocated hip? Not a lot of fun, okay? So you can't do this with complete impunity. But the angel says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, which means peace. For you have striven with God and humans and have prevailed. I think the Hebrew people are named for Jacob and not Abraham because God knew that they needed somebody to say, when you are at your weakest, don't get down in the dirt and grovel. Stand up and say, I need help. And I need your help. I worked with a chaplain named Billy Brandon when I was um, at Children's Hospital in Michigan, and she was an African-American chaplain, and she would just stop in the middle of the day and she'd say, Lord, I need a blessing. <laughs> and she did it just like that. I need a blessing. I'm calling on you now, Jesus. And I'll tell you, there are doctors that are alive today because Billy Brandon received a blessing. You know, the difference between God and a doctor is God doesn't think he's a doctor. Okay, so... My apologies to all the medical people out there. But, you know, there were, there were doctors that were on their high horse and they were treating patients badly and they, and they wouldn't listen to anybody. And Billy Brandon didn't put up with that kind of garbage just because you had an MD after your name and she was about ready to commit homicide. 
And, but she knew she was about to commit homicide, and she'd stop and say, Lord, I need a blessing. And, and these doctors are alive today because of the blessing she received. <laughs> and I think, personally, that's a good thing. But the difference is, I don't know what happens when you go from an African-American church to a Caucasian church because, you know, I won't pray for myself because I'm not worthy. I'll pray for someone else. Because even though I don't deserve your help, oh God, uh, Todd does. Todd says, no, I don't deserve your help, oh God. Uh, give it to Jeff. And Jeff says, darn right. No. You know, and we have a problem thinking that even though we are created in the image after the likeness of God, that we deserve help and that God would give a rip about us. God gives a rip, folks. Jacob was the one who, Jacob is not an example of faith. Jacob is an example of somebody who is able to see spiritual realities when they are before him and to realize when he needs help and where to go for it. All of his human schemes have run down to the point where he's alone and his brother's out to kill him, probably. And that's when God struggles with him. And I guarantee you, it may, you know, and it always happens at night. Always happens at night. And I don't care if you're sleeping next to someone you love, you know that there are times at night when you are absolutely alone. And we all face that moment of fear and doubt. And where do we go? And when we're confronted with that, do we hold on to God and say, you're the one that made me. You must have had a sense of humor. And I'm not letting you go, oh God, till you bless me. I think that's what God wants for us. I think God says, stand up. Look me in the eye and say, I deserve a blessing and I need a blessing. And that's really good news. Amen.